2: America Meditating Radio a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life pushes, and your vision pulls you. Pain is a great motivator, and it pushes us to the brink of seeking change. Under the influence of pain, we deeply desire to be free be healed, to see what is hidden, to know what is unknown. Yet we can either be pushed by our pain or pulled by a vision. Vision, too, is a great motivator. pulls us to the calling of a future in what may be possible. The soul is energized as it dwells in the realm of possibility, and I am lifted up by the hope of my dreams and visions. Pain will push me, but my vision will pull me. Welcome to America Meditating Radio I'm your host, Sister Jenna And I'm so happy to let you know the album is out Finally, the Om Shanti album was released on Valentine's Day Which was a very special day for many of us And I want to thank all my friends out there Who has shared it on their social media And sent a lot of their good wishes It's a gift, not making a dime from it It's just our love Ricky Cage's music definitely has taken it to another level. And the words that I have put into that, each of them have a different sort of a narrative. And this one was vision pulls and pain pushes. And that's the one that so many of us have felt when we can't let go of the past and we can feel a pushback in our lives and we just want to get out of it. And even at the same token, we're feeling something greater or bigger than whatever we're going through. And so the vision of that better part of ourselves is pulling us. So that track was on that. So each track has something amazing. And I would love for you to tell me which one is your favorite. I won't tell you which one is my favorite yet. I won't tell you. We're excited because we're partnering with eBlog for a new series entitled Where East Meets West, where I'll be interviewing a lot of Indian thought leaders and celebrities and voices about life and about well-being and innovative ideas. And just my desire, because I know of my heritage, being half Indian and half African Caribbean and being raised in the United States, it's just this birth of mine is to bring the world together. I've lived it my whole life. That's all I know. If you were to tell me to support only one side, I wouldn't know how to do it. I would say, well, how can all sides be supported? Is there a way that we can find the conversation or the quality or the virtue that's needed? So look out for Where East Meets West. We'll have Deepak Chopra, comedians Vijay Nathan, Dan Nainan, musicians Sandeep Das, Entrepreneur Param Gill, and the list will continue to increase. And so look forward to that being released by next month, I believe. The next normal in the evening, which is in partnership with the Brahma Kumari's Meditation Museums, we have changed our timing. So instead of one hour, Monday through Friday, we'll be now doing 30 minutes, 6.30 to 7 p.m. And that will still be on the channel of the Meditation Museum in America, meditating from 6.30 to 7 p.m., and we also have a special Monday meditation and Positive Friday by David Howard, who does a great job in reminding us to be positive every day. It is my pure wish that you're taking good care of yourself. It's my pure desire that whenever I wake up in the morning, I think about how's the world doing? Are you okay? Are you weathering the storms? Are you sending your good wishes to your neighbor? Are you just accepting how life is unfolding, but yet not giving up and finding the courage to keep pushing forward? I hope you are. I know that I am, and I know that I aim to keep that going for me every single day. Today my special guest is Tina Sloan. Tina Sloan spent 26 years on the guiding light. I used to remember sitting with Grandma and watching that show. Tina, I can't wait to talk with you. Anyway, so Tina spent 26 years on The Guiding Light, the famous soap opera on CBS. She was featured on 60 Minutes when the show closed after an historic 57-year run. Tina then, in her 60s, reinvented herself as an author, playwright, and speaker, and she's the author of Changing Shoes, and her new book, A Romantic Thriller Chasing Cleopatra, is also out. Her one-woman play, also titled Changing Shoes Toward the U.S., At one particular performance, such much to Tina's delight, George and Barbara Bush were in attendance, and they were in the front row. Tina has performed in numerous movies, including Black Swan, Changing Lanes, as Ben Affleck's mother, several Woody Allen films, as well as others with Al Pacino, Jodie Foster, Marisa Tomei, to name a few. She has also appeared on several TV shows, including Law & Order. SUV. I'm so excited to welcome Tina Sloan to America Mediting Radio. Hi, Tina.
0: Hi. How are you?
2: <laughs> Great. You know <laughs> what? I remember when me and Grandma used to sit and watch this. Everyone
0: My. says that, and it's so sad yeah. when it went off, because it was as though the grandmother had died again, you know? Yeah. Because that yeah. those memories were all taken away.
2: It was different. What I loved is that even if I missed it for a month or two,
0: or you would go
2: to see <laughs>
0: <laughs> Or I would
2: go and see grandma. I mean I could just sit there and I could catch up. Oh yes, that what's happening again? He
0: would tell me everything. No question. I, would,
2: I know. I would feel like I didn't miss a I thing.
0: Think, right. Okay, I got it.
2: So wow. Thank <laughs> you for joining us. What a powerful time that we're in and
0: how have you been? I've been really good. I mean, as you said, I've been writing a sequel to my book, which keeps me very busy, and I Mm -hmm. walk a lot. I'm in Florida, so the sun is out, the flowers are out, the trees are happy. You know, There's been a lot of rain, so the water's happy and the ocean's beautiful. So it hasn't been the challenge it would be if I was living where I used to live in New York City, where you don't get to go out and be outside. I think being outside is just... Been very helpful. And then when I'm inside, I'm outside with my book characters. They're outside. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Since
2: the pandemic, everyone who knows me very well has observed my incredible interest in the world of theater and the arts. But I'm very conservative, even though my dad is conservative, but my mother is very, let's just say, animated, you know, for mm-hmm. use of a better word. And now that she's got Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever you call it, it's even more accentuated. Nonetheless, for the last year, I found myself so intrigued by how a soul can put on the shelf who they are and adapt a completely different personality and convince me this is who they are and pull me into that energy. No, no just an actor. Isn't? Oh, an actor,
0: yes, of so course. I was
2: telling you how I've been so intrigued by theater. So what is that like? Can you tell me, what's it actually like to
0: go into a character that is nothing like you? Lillian Rains, whom I played on Guiding Light, was nothing like me at all. She was afraid of everything. She wouldn't get in an airplane. She just made choices that were very easy. She'd sit and watch Gone with the Wind holding her kitten. And she had a daughter and her whole existence was about her daughter and she was a nurse. So obviously she was a caretaker and therefore her energy went to other people, not herself. I remember she had a time when she had breast cancer, the character. And I didn't think about it very much except when I went in and I put on my Lillian clothes, I would be the person who had breast cancer. And it was fascinating to me that That's all I needed was my costume, and my costume being my Lillian clothes. Or maybe it was my dressing room, I don't know, but I'd become that person. But may I just say, when I'm writing the characters for my book, being an actress is so helpful because I get into them, and I know what they'd say, and I know how they'd act. I can use my acting to do it, if that makes sense. I hadn't really thought of it until you mentioned this. (laughs) But I play the characters in my book and that's how they become alive so wonderful but also you can put yourself in anyone's pain or position and i must say i avoid doing that very much because it can take so much energy out of you listening to someone's problems again and again and again especially if they don't move forward when i was younger i'd spend hours of my day doing that now i find i don't as i've gotten older and wiser i listen if they want my advice, I give it, but I don't give it 20 times. I give it once, and then I close that, you know. I mean, I don't mean if they're in desperate circumstances. Of course, I'd help. But I find people can get desperate about such minutia sometimes that I'm just stunned.
2: (laughs) What's that like? I mean, 95% of the world has no idea what it's like when you're in a particular career where the world has access to your energy. And they laud over you. You go out to dinner and a hundred people are asking you for an autograph. You walk to the supermarket and people are like all over you. You do things and people are just always at you. When
0: all of that subsides mm-hmm. and you're at home, what does it feel like? Well, I mean, let's just say in my life it subsided from when I was doing guiding light i was doing soap opera for 35 years and my career was about 45 doing movies and i'm still doing some but i used to walk into the amp as you said or the market and people would come up to me or the subway they'd hug me or they'd hit me or whatever they felt like doing but the subsiding of that in my whole life right now at first was very hard to take because i was sort of used to it and i liked it you know it was fun to have someone come and go oh i just love you and you'd say oh thank you And then it stopped happening, and down in Florida, it doesn't happen at all, because I'm older. I mean, I'm writing, but people don't know. I don't say what I've done down here. In New York, everyone knew me, kind of, but down here they don't. It's quite interesting, and I don't mind it at all. I quite like it. I think most actors are introverts. I really do. Do you miss it sometimes, the attention? The attention, no. The work I miss, desperately Mm. sometimes. Walking out on a set and saying lines is just wonderful, but I'm doing it. I've managed to reinvent myself and doing it in my book. Yes. I mean, Cleopatra becomes me. And, well, she's a 43-year-old, so she doesn't really become me. But her mother, Sandrine, who's 78, I know just what she's feeling when she is dying. I understand it, and I have such a good time
2: with it. Oh, I love that. You have no idea <laughs> how this speaks to me because there's something so powerful in just stepping out of the... Mundanity of just your everyday life and just fantasizing about just someone else being someone else.
0: Oh, so much fun. I know. (laughs) I've been
2: observing that. What was the inspiration in you actually really reinventing yourself? Like, where were you at that point in your life where you felt like you were ready to open up to something else? Did you know what it was going to be? Did you know it was going to be writing, speaking?
0: I knew it would be writing. When you mentioned your mother, you'll like this. When I was in my 50s, my parents were in their 80s, and my mother had gotten into dementia. So I know of what you speak, and my mother was very glamorous and very outrageous Mm. in a sense. She sounded like your mother, dramatic, shall we say. And my father was the steady person and the rock that held us all together. So I was taking care of them. I was working on the show and taking care of them, and on the show I was being diminished. I was always talking about other people. The character was being diminished, and in my real life, I was diminished in the sense that my son was off at school. I think he was totally in college, so gone by then. My husband his parents were also sick. He was going to see his, and I was going to see mine, and I'd go out every day to be with my parents and see what I could do. So one day, I thought, I should write a book to tell people how to do this, how to help their parents, because there were no books at that point about aging parents and what you do to take care of them. So I started writing this book, and I realized, ooh, I have to learn how to change the shoes I wear. I mean, I have had to go from sexy high heels to sneakers on the show and to black flats in my real life. And I also, because of the show, know how to change my shoes, which is why I called it Changing Shoes, and know how to wear you know, different makeup and how to take care of your hair. I learned how to age somewhat gracefully. And I thought, I should put this down. This was love in my part to the world, to all those women who were in my position, who didn't know what next steps to take to help their parents. I mean, my parents had written wills. My father had left everything to my mother, who would have bought a Corvette for somebody with everything. You know, she was totally gone. So I had to work out their living wills. The process of all of this was a nightmare. It was boring, but it had to be done. I had to clean out their home and move them into a smaller place. I had to get full-time help for them. You know, all the little things one has to do, they're mind-boggling, and they take so much of your time. I remember my friend saying, are we ever going to see you again? And I thought, I don't think I'm ever going to get out of this. And I didn't really till they died. I was totally immersed in that. And the book that came out of that, I have to say, people tell me they keep it on their bedside table. It's helped people so much. That chapter is called Legally Blonde, where I talk about all the things you have to do. And when you're making your will, all the things you have to think about. Beyond who you leave money to, there are things about, you know, where I want to be buried. And as you get older, do I want to move to Florida where there are no taxes and where it's warm all the time? My husband and I had all those decisions we had to make. And I put that all in the book, you know. And then my son got married, and you have grandchildren, and all of that went in, too. And so... I did that as a huge process, and I began it as I saw that the show was going to go off the air. That was when I began to do this. And I remember this was the big trigger. I was in the eye doctor's office, and two women in their 40s came in with their mother who was very questionable. She was very fragile. She went in to get her eyes done, and I looked at them, and I said, I hope you have living wills and power of attorneys. And they looked at me like they didn't know what I was talking about. I explained to them, and they said, oh, my, thank God you told us this. So that's when I decided this book had to be written. And it's very funny because as a soap actress, you know, there were hilarious things I could put in there about getting older. And one time we had the Christmas show and where I always used to be in the front row when I was the young star and then the young mother of the star. At this point, I'm the grandmother. I'm behind the Christmas tree behind the piano. You're so diminished as you get older. But it's hilarious. You know, and I went into my dressing room and I ate M&Ms and cried. (laughs) It rings bells with people who are getting older and being overlooked and being diminished, and everybody will be at some point in their lives. And young women have read it and said, now I understand why my mother's so grumpy with me sometimes, because I'm still young and beautiful and my life is full of possibility and hers is no longer full of such possibility. Mm -hmm. But yours and mine are because we've decided to make them full of possibility. Yes, true, and we have to keep doing that, each and every one of us.
2: So as we're looking at the books that you've done and changing shoes, I like that
0: topic. That's what we do every day. We (laughs) do. I mean, I have bright little pink shoes on right now, flat shoes, let me add. But hopefully we get shoes that make us feel good about ourselves and get ourselves dressed every day. And when this all happened, the pandemic happened, I went on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and did a 26-second chow for now, where I'd say, okay, if you're depressed and you're living in a tiny apartment in New York, stop watching the news. Stop reading the newspaper. Find a show like yours where you can meditate, where you can feel better, or you're made to feel better about yourself. Find the good things on television or whatever, but don't get lost in the, oh, what's next? What are we going to do? Find ways out of your pain. You are a good example of this.
2: Can I tell you, I have not gone into the news like perhaps about a year until the new presidency <laughs> occurred and I'm not being biased and saying this was good, this was bad. It was just the energy. And even now I barely indulge I don't either now. And I get so concerned, Tina, about individuals who don't go outside and who oh, get so brainwashed by the information and the vibe that mainstream media feeds their consciousness that sometimes they might not be discerning enough to recognize it's their theater and way of trapping you that you know, absolutely you make so much, they make so much money on you and you're losing your life sitting there feeling so hopeless it's
0: been absolutely. really
2: one of the areas i've been really wanting to i don't know see a change speak out on, but also be very mindful of how there's a lot of good there too and how to find the balance. I just wish they would be a little bit more thoughtful that, you know, not everybody thinks on their own to decipher is this really
0: right or not, you know. Yes, I mean, the people who are afraid to go out because the news media is saying, if you go outside, you're going to die. It's almost what certainly saying in the beginning. And I remember being afraid myself, but I would go out and walk and just walk up and down this where I live maybe a hundred times a day because it kept me alive. And I really mean the birds were tweeting and the flowers were out. But if you're allowing television or newspapers or radio to say, you know, you should move, you shouldn't go anywhere, And I have friends who, you know, are still washing their food when it comes from the grocery store and doing all the things that we were taught to do, and I did in the beginning. But I'm now trusting we get tested down here every two weeks. We have to be tested where I live. That makes you feel much safer. A lot of people I know have gotten the vaccine. My husband got it. I just chose not to get it yet. I want to see what happens. (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) Do you feel that way too?
2: I'm just like that. I like to rely on my natural abilities of allowing my body to take care of itself, but I have to tell you, I'm on the fence. I'm not anti, I'm not pro.
0: No, I'm not anti at all. I mean, everyone I know has it. I keep saying I'm waiting for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it's a more normal vaccine.
2: Yeah. The one shot,
0: I don't care about that. But I do think they've been making vaccines for a long, long time. I don't know. I just want to see how it all plays out.
2: Me too. I'm with you. So let's talk about your newest book, Chasing Cleopatra. It's a romantic Mm -hmm. thriller. What's it all about? I mean, why did you decide to do a
0: romantic thriller? I dreamt it about 20 years ago, one part of the plot. I wrote it, put it under my bed, and sort of forgot about it. But it would come up in my mind every now and then. So I brought it to a friend of mine who has her own imprimatur at Random House, and she said, this is great, but you need a danger in it. So I thought, danger? So I had a terrorist come in who was homegrown it all takes place in Hawaii so it's beautiful and it's a page turner and it came out during the pandemic and I thought this is what people need I think I have it free on Kindle I'm almost sure it's still free on Kindle because I wanted to give people a page turner people say they read it two and three times because it's so fun I mean Chasing Cleopatra she's just this fabulous woman she's in her 40s so she's not young. I do have a 20-year-old, but the heroine of this whole book is in her 40s, and I like that. And then there's another woman in her 50s, and then the young girl who's 24, I think. But I loved having an older heroine. And by second book, she's still the heroine, and now she's 45, 46. But I just love writing this woman, and I love writing the characters around her. I have a CIA person who does deep undercover work, and I've always loved – people who change themselves with costumes and their walks that are agents. And so I have this agent who's totally changes himself all the time, and I have great fun with him in it. And then the bad guy, nobody has known who the terrorist was going to be, ever. I've asked everyone who's read it. No one seems to know him, which makes me happy. I've left clues, but nobody picked them up. You know, he's in the book the whole time. But no one knows who it's going to be till it happens, till the denouement, the as they call it. So, this book, I wanted people to get out of themselves. And believe me, you think you're in Hawaii. You're just having yeah. a great time over there.
2: <laughs>
1: wow.
0: So, I don't know. Tell
2: us a little bit about it. So, tell us a little bit about what we can expect in it. Like, is there something in particular that she did that you're like, what
0: in the world? Well, she studies okay. Krav Maga, which is a self defense thing that nobody knows she's studying. And she has a reason for studying that comes out in the book, which I don't want to give away because it's so interesting. But she's been studying it all her life since she was about 12. So she's a master at this. But she's this beautiful talk show host and has climbed Kilimanjaro in Africa, which I climbed in real life, and met this wonderful man who's killed in a plane crash. But he, you find out, is an undercover agent, and he's really alive. And you're going to be surprised at who he is when he comes into the picture again. And she's devastated when she finds out he's still alive, of course, because he's made her suffer a depression. that She thought he was killed in this plane crash, but he had to be because his cover was blown. So, you know, my son went to Harvard, but then he went into the Marines, and he was in Iraq doing intelligence work. So he had a lot of black op undercover friends, all of whom I called. And we have a friend who was head of the CIA, so I'd call him and say, am I doing this correctly? I didn't want to not make it Be real. So that's sort of exciting stories going, and then this love story is going. She has wonderful sisters and an exciting mother who was like ours who had died. But it's got romance, it's got great characters. I'm the mother of this young man that she gets involved with. You know, she loves to read Agatha Christie, she loves to needlepoint. So there's that kind of person, too. So there are all sorts of very good characters that I think everyone finds someone to relate to. And yet, as I said, there's this very exciting terrorist thing coming, and you're holding your breath, and you're going chapter to chapter. (laughs) Someone said it's very like a soap opera. Each chapter, which are very short chapters, ends with a cliffhanger, very much like a soap opera. (laughs) I love it. Looking forward to diving into it. You think it'll be a movie one day? So interesting, because right away I got a call. And then they'd call me during the year and say, you know, because of COVID we're not doing too much, but we are finishing up some films, and we'll get to yours, and supposedly – The woman called me the other day and said, well, now we're finished. The other ones, it's your turn, or something like that. Well, I never believed this, but I saw it as I wrote it. So obviously it was written as a movie, but I didn't know I was writing it as a movie. Got you. Well, congratulations, and let me know when it comes out
2: in that way. You know, (laughs) life is unfolding for everybody in the world right now, and a lot of things physically have changed, and there's no doubt that something inside of us is also changing But self-care has become a big thing. Folks are struggling with staying at home, maybe not exercising enough. Some are. Maybe not eating as well. Some are. Maybe getting too isolated and feeling really low, but then some aren't. But self-care is really important, right?
0: What do you do for self-care? Well, I do do meditation. I know that's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) There's an app called The Daily Calm. Do you know that? Yes, I do. Okay, and there's an app called Headspace. So I do those sometimes. I did transcendental meditation for quite a long time, and now somehow I'm not doing that anymore. But there's a man named Henry Newen. Do you know who he is? V-W-E, and I read his little meditation every morning. No, He's died, but his meditations are lovely. I think that's part of self-help and self-care, is to remind yourself to be positive, to remind yourself by meditation or getting a thought in your mind every morning or every afternoon. I mean, I go back to that little tiny meditation maybe two or three times a day because it's only one paragraph. As I'm going through my computer, that's where it is, I might reread it. And as you said, you have to be positive. You have to think positively. And when you were talking about pain pulling you one way and positivity pulling you the other way, I think that's a wonderful image. And the fear of being alone or the fear of dying which I think a lot of people are in fear of, and partly because of the media. I'm not saying it's not true, but I do think if you wear your mask and you social distance, you can go do things, I mean, as long as you're social distancing. And I think there's a pod of people that you know, and you know haven't been anywhere that's dangerous. I mean, they haven't been out partying. You can be with those people. Yes, I think it takes a lot of common sense, you know.
2: Of course, as you said, self-care, the whole notion of checking what you're thinking is the most important thing for me, at least. If your thoughts are really down and out, it's not going to be good for the soul in the long run. But if it's working in something creative or reinventing itself or enjoying the nature or having a conversation with God or talking to your best people, your favorite people, that's
0: self-care to me. Yes, and not talking to people who pull you down. During the whole election, I just said, no politics, no COVID. Let's have a fun dinner or a fun lunch or whatever and talk about art or music or nature or bird watching or whatever that can pull us outside. There's a tree that I walk by and I used to talk to it all the time. You know, and It seemed to always wave its leaves at me when I'd come. It would see me coming, and I maybe I imagined this, but it seemed to be very happy I was coming. So I'd go and chat with it and Sometimes when I didn't chat with it, I knew it was hurt. (laughs) When I went away from Florida for a few months, I thought about it often. Oh, I hope it's okay without me. But that was a great person to talk to is this beautiful tree in nature. And I walked with a friend a lot. But when one of us would get down, we'd listen. But then we'd both say, okay, now we have to think of something positive. Because we could pull each other into this subterranean whirlwind. And you can't do that. You owe it to the people you're talking to to say, okay, okay. I understand this is really hard for you. I mean, I had a friend call me this morning and said, I'm really, really dizzy, and I know you know what to do. So I said, okay, I'm going to send you this woman who gives you this terrific way to get the dizziness out of you. And so I spent about a half hour trying to find her, and then I sent that over. And that's how I took care of her. I didn't go, oh, you poor thing. There's nothing more I could do but try to get her help. And so I did that, and then I let it be, if that makes sense. Instead of going into it and getting really upset for her. I am upset for her, but I tried to give her the outcome of a a way to heal herself.
2: Beautiful. Got you on that one. So as we come to a close, and I've loved every minute of our time together, (laughs) any particular thing that you are able to identify has been maybe one of your most important life lessons during the course of your life? I know for me, it's like no matter how I might be treated by anyone, I cannot give up on doing good. I know my good will protect me in the future. If it didn't help me right here and now with you or with this situation, okay, that must have been something, but let me not allow anything that happens to me that I didn't appreciate make me so disheartened that I give up on humanity.
0: Just keep doing good, Jen. Just don't stop. That's wonderful. Well, and you're obviously doing that. I think I would say, in some ways it's the same thing but not. Listening to who you are inside yourself and following that. You know who you are. You know that you're someone who's helping other people. I know I'm an actress or a writer. You know you're an artist. You love worms and you want to study worms. You know who you are. Don't let anyone tell you not to do that. You've got to follow that, even if it's as a hobby. But I think listening to yourself, following it, has been my greatest lesson. And persisting. Even I knew I wanted to be an actress, but the world didn't know it in the beginning. So I had Mm -hmm. to keep persisting and being turned down hundreds of times, but continually doing it because I had to trust what was inside me. Beautiful. Love that. That's a great
2: note. So leave us with where we can find information about your books. And is there
0: anything coming up for you that we can participate in? Well, Amazon has my books, and I think the Kindle is free. I'm trying to give people that present during COVID. I hope it is. I put it on as free for quite a while. So that's there. Both Changing Shoes and Chasing Cleopatra are on Amazon and at bookstores. But, you know, I don't think people are going into bookstores. I do believe calling your bookstore and ordering it from them because they need that so badly. And tinasloan.com is my website. It's easy. Okay. S-L-O-A-N, no E. Oh, <laughs> got it. that's pretty easy.
2: Tina Sloan, thank you so much for your Thank you so much for having me. warm energy to be continued. We can talk more in the future, I'm sure.
0: Wonderful, I'm sure. Thank you so much.
2: Stay well. Thank you so much.
0: You'll be well, too. Bye.
2: Bye-bye. That was Tina Sloan, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the energy, the presence, the sharing, And definitely look out for her books that she's got out there, and you can go to tinasloan.com for more information. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we really are here to love each other the same. So I think we need to really turn up the volume on that. (laughs) Anyway, keep in touch, be well, stay safe, and I will end the song with Wiki Cage on Ganga.
3: Trek भगवती गंगे त्रिभुवन सारे Devi तरंगे देवी सुरेश्वरी भगवती गंगे त्रिभुवन सारे तरंगे शंकर विमले तरवंगे water, the